0: Welcome to episode eight of NAB Digital Next. And today we're picking up the growing focus on digital identity and specifically what we can learn from the best. I'm Brad Carr of NAB's digital data and analytics team. And I'm joined today by Avon Westby Brekke, the CEO of ID in Norway. I'm a big fan of the Bank ID initiatives, both in Norway and in neighboring Sweden, which have led the world in giving consumers choice and control in ID verification services and have done so since 2004. We'll hear from Avon and then my NAB colleague, Lyndon Dawson, will join me to help interpret the lessons of Avon's insights for our more nascent ID ecosystem here in Australia. But firstly, Avon, thank you for joining us and welcome to NAB Digital Next. Thanks, Brad, and uh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. I've been really excited to to speak with you uh, and I'm really keen to hear more of, of how you've taken this journey in Norway. But, Avon, perhaps can we start with you? Um, you studied as a chemical engineer and you've then subsequently had a, a lengthy career at DNB, Norway's largest bank. Can you, can you tell us a bit about what led you to the identity sphere and to leading Bank ID? Absolutely. And
1: um, I'll make a segue to before joining the financial services sector as well. So, after my chemical engineer degree, I was a founder of a pharmaceutical company. Uh, and a lot of the work was uh, trying to bring that to international markets. And that's something I'm uh, taking with me to my current job. Uh, you're absolutely right. I joined DNB, the largest bank uh, here in Norway, 11 years ago and uh, had different positions and roles there and really uh, saw in many of the cases we worked on how digital identity helps propel some very important use cases, both for consumers and for the bank. And so, when this opportunity came up, it was a logical next step for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe if you could take us more through where that's led you, because uh, we'd love to hear more about how Bank ID really works in Norway. And for example, how an individual can set it up and what they can use it for.
1: Yeah. So, essentially, how an individual sets up their Bank ID is they show up at uh, any uh, retail bank branch in the country from any bank. They bring their uh, passport to prove their identity. The bank does their KYC, and then we uh, issue a digital certificate for that individual. And then uh, later on, the consumer completes the enrollment in their net bank, and then they're good to go.
0: And then I think one of the really striking success features is is just how widely they can use it. And it really becomes their, their entry point to so many parts of your economy and your society. One of Bank ID's key success factors, I think, has been the the close collaboration between the banking sector, I guess within the banking sector and also between the banks and the the government sector in helping to really enable adoption. And that collaboration is not something that always naturally happens in every market. I was wondering if you can tell us a bit about how the financial sector worked alongside government in in getting this digital identity framework established and and the infrastructure to support and deliver it.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. There were some really bold decisions that were made at the very early stage of the development of Bank ID. And that was when all the banks in our market came together and said, let's build a common infrastructure rather than siloed solutions and enable authentication and login across banks. Of course, that's a move that would potentially increase the risk of customers moving to different banks more easily. But uh, nevertheless, it was a move that turned out to be a, a good one for benefit of the overall banking system here. So for the first years, this was gaining traction as an easy way for consumers to log in and do their business in the digital channels of the banks. Once that gained momentum and the government uh, decided they need traction also from the population in using the digital services they offered. The government went on to create a common gateway for all their public services that could be accessed through one point of contact. And then Bank ID was invited to be one of the enrollment uh, methods you could use to enter those uh, services. And as of today, we have uh, some 95, 96% of all logins to public services using Bank ID. And then once uh, that gained traction, we were starting to see some platform effects. So, more consumers on the one side, more services on the other side. And suddenly, uh, private sector companies also started to show interest in uh, being able to offer their services to, to the public uh, using bank ID. And uh, as of today, we have some 10,000 public services available, but also a few thousand private services outside of banks, such as uh, online pharmacies. Uh, filling out your prescriptions digitally and getting it shipped back home, e-health in general, even dating apps, car rental, uh, tax questions, social security, etc. cetera. So really these days, ID is the digital identity solution
0: adopted here in this market. Can we go with that theme for a moment? Because I, I think that the statistics you, you cite there are, are just really immensely impressive, the 10,000 public services, but also... You know, I've repeated these statistics a lot myself, including at the Australian Bankers Association conference earlier this month, but you've you've achieved 99% penetration amongst the, the population of ages 20 to 60. So broadly the whole of the community using it. And bank ID users on average are using the solution about 220 times a year. I did it with some of your uh, your predecessors in my time at the IAF in Washington about three years ago, and it was 198 times a year then. So it's it's continued to grow in its usage, uh, even in the last two or three years. I, I note, but these are really impressive, and I think it it ties to where you were getting at the the breadth of different use cases and the breadth of different um, accepting parties. And my hypothesis is. If you have a different ID for using government services and a different ID for your financial transactions and a different ID perhaps for your university or another one for accessing travel, then you end up with this really fragmented landscape and possibly people don't end up using any of them or they use them each so infrequently and they're therefore constantly resetting passwords and the like. And the way to really get past all of that and achieve critical mass is that the user is in control. They can choose who they have verifying them. You, you have a competitive banking market in Norway, but they can get to all of the services they need to through that single front door of bank ID. Is that the, the right sort of way to think about it? And is that, is that sort of what's really driven the success and the adoption? I think that's uh,
1: spot on, Brad. And um, if you think about it uh, also from a consumer perspective, A lot of us uh, in modern societies, we have strong digital capabilities, but that's not true for the whole population. So you have a lot of people who struggle using digital services and get confused when they have to use different methods in different uh, services. So also from that perspective, it's really important to have one common solution that you can use everywhere, also for uh, digital inclusion. But I think uh, in, in addition to that, you need some key components on top of a large user base and a large number of services. So you need a really strong trust in the solution. So you need everyone to trust the solution, both from the consumer side and from the service provider side for it to be relevant and for people to actually be willing to rely on one source of truth for so many important parts of their life. So you really need to invest a lot in making sure your solutions are secure and safe and never compromise on that even in those cases when you could be tempted to improve user experience. But if that happens on the expense of security, then, then you just can't do it.
0: Well, indeed, tr- trust and security needs to really be at the, the center of how we think about the, the user experience, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And maybe going with that security theme a little bit. So so one of the big drivers that we feel in Australia for digital identity solutions is about minimizing how much personal data we're needing to transmit. And we had a couple of high profile data breaches in our economy late last year, which I think has risen the consciousness both amongst consumers but also for businesses of the the obligations and the liability that they might have for the the personal data of their customers that they hold. Is this a, a feature and a and a driver with bank ID? And, and is it something that, you know, you would cite around how bank ID helps to keep an individual's information safe and ensure that users are in control of what data of theirs is passed and, and who, who it's shared with? Yes,
1: absolutely, and I, I think uh, this is an area where we, uh, we who develop services like this need to stay ahead of what uh, catches attention in the media because uh, in your market, I know you have had some uh, data breach cases lately who re- that raised awareness, uh, but even if that's not the case, you know that the risk is always there, so you need to make sure that that risk is limited. So the bank ID setup itself is very secure. So as I mentioned, we we invested a lot in building secure and safe solutions. And in the 19 years in operation, we never had a single example of being hacked or data breaches in our uh, solution. And then uh, the way we interact with uh, the service providers, uh, we try to limit the amount of data that we transfer in each authentication or signature. And to mask the data or uh, anonymize the data that we transfer so that we don't uh, reduce the risk of of the data being compromised. So for example, when we uh, authenticate you, when you log into a certain service, we don't use your social security number as such, but we generate a personal identity number, uh, just a random number sequence, but uh, linked to you. And that's the one we share to prove that you are you instead of the number itself. Now, having said that, uh, we do see uh, a really big potential going forward to also uh, facilitate the safe consent based, of course, sharing of personal data from the consumer side to the uh, service provider that they decide to trust with their information. So for example, things like the pre-commitment letter from your bank that you're able to buy a home, your bank account number, your driver license, your uh, university degree. And you can think of many examples across many sectors where you would be willing to share your data with certain providers, and uh, we can help facilitate
0: that in a secure way. And that's, I guess, enabling the versatility of different use cases, and presumably um, the journey within 19 years um, in ID means that you're dealing with a lot of use cases now that you probably would not have been able to anticipate being in existence 19 years ago, so you're you're having the versatility to be able to keep with and adapt with those times, and and maybe I, I, if I can pivot in that future direction, um, perhaps in concluding our discuss, discussion, you know, I, one thing I've noticed is there's a lot of really significant developments starting to emerge in Europe, in particular around uh, digital identity wallets, and some of the requirements of eIDAS two across each of the member states um, for for this September. And I'm curious firstly as to how you see bank ID interacting or evolving into that digital identity wallet landscape.
1: Absolutely. And um, you're right, we have a new regulation coming from the European Union. We expect that to take effect in our market uh, in the beginning of uh, 2026. So it uh, yes, it will be it will come into force perhaps uh, later this year and then countries will have a couple of years to implement. So in the beginning of 2026 we expect that to happen
2: uh,
1: our ambition is for bank id to be selected as uh, the national identity uh, under that uh, regulation in norway and also for the bank id app to be formally recognized as uh, the or one of the recognized national uh, electronic id wallets and as preparation for that we are uh, in the process of rolling our customers over from uh, previous authentication methods over to our uh, bank ID app and the bank ID app we hope to develop to become an identity wallet as, as such so uh, it was launched in the in 2021 and last year we really saw a strong adoption of the wallet where we now became the most downloaded app in Norway uh, last year and we're on a strong growth also this year so looks promising. And regulation as such is also something we welcome because it it will, among other things, mean uh, everybody uh, will have right to an electronic ID in all the markets in the EU. And also the fact that you can use your electronic ID issued by one country to authenticate yourself in any country in the the union. So that's uh, that's really promising. Also for us, uh, if I can add, we see this as an interesting growth opportunity
0: outside our home market. Well, well, maybe we might conclude picking up that point. But I did want to, to chime in as you referred there to the commonality across each of the member states. It uh, reminds me that uh, one of our colleagues at uh, Australia Payments Plus, the uh, uh, industry body we have, which has convened the mobilisation of Connect ID here, uh, as we were going through the uh, height of the excitement of Eurovision around about three weeks ago, and of course the perplexing inclusion of Australia within Eurovision, which sort of breaks most uh, laws of geography, but he did make the this colleague Dima De, did make the point of yeah maybe we need to look at eidas two as the example and and how we can actually achieve commonality between Australia and the European Union uh, and the direction that's uh, that's being presented across Europe with the future of identity wallets. um so maybe we'll look at that as our our level of equivalence that we need to aim for
1: yeah there's uh, I guess there's centuries of uh,
0: collaboration across the time zones and geographies. Hopefully we yeah. could build on that, yes. So so perhaps to conclude, like i I really look to bank ID as the the best in class in the world today and a great model for others, including ourselves to follow. Um, but of course, yeah, as per the the point you've just made there around the future of the wallet landscape, You're not static, you're not standing still. Uh, And so, if we're following your lead, we probably need to be looking as much at at not only where you are, but also where you're going. And perhaps, as well as what we were just touching on then of EIDAS 2 and wallets, what else is next and what else excites you in the future world in digital identity?
1: Oh, that's a big one, uh, Brad. But I think I'll try to perhaps focus on some of the opportunities I see uh, going forward for digital identity. I think. First of all, the next years, we'll see many more countries and markets really uh, reaping the benefits that uh, digital identity can offer and implementing them in ways that can uh, mimic some of the uh, benefits that we've seen in in this market. And also, I think digital identity has the potential to solve some of or help solve some of uh, the problems in our society today. Uh, so, for example, if you look to the developing world, I think uh, digital identity is a key component to solve financial inclusion. Uh, if you look to India, I think they just over the last four or five years, they had several hundred million joining the financial ecosystem by the help of digital ID. So that's a big one. Uh, also, I think there are some untapped use cases that can uh, help solve some of our problems in society, such as fake social media accounts that are uh, a big problem in, in certain cases, also media moderation as such, uh, and uh, trolling on uh, v- various uh, websites. Uh, but, uh, but even fake news, uh, I think uh, we can perhaps uh, battle with uh, proper identity solutions and uh, fraud prevention as well, to mention some. And to circle that back to Bank ID, I think what we are predominantly occupied uh, with these days is to really uh, transform our service so that it can meet the future requirements and uh, the market uh, needs uh, when new regulation arrives, but also as the market develops. And a key part of that, as I mentioned, is uh, the Bank ID app as as the main channel. And then we want to add new services in the app. One that we are exploring these days is. How to use the Bank ID app as a physical proof of identity so that you can leave your uh, whatever driver's license or passport back home for whatever needs you have uh, in your society uh, to prove who you are physically or to prove that you're old enough. Uh, as you mentioned before the call, we can prove that. Uh, also, uh, really um, interestingly for us, is last year we acquired um, a RegTech. Uh, Know your customer utility service, and uh, we're currently uh, excited about expanding that and to see the synergies between that services that is used for AML, anti-money laundering purposes uh, with the bank ID services and the proof of identity and um, and the syner- synergies there. Data sharing and consent uh, services, as I mentioned, uh, is also uh, really interesting to explore. And then finally, circling back to to growth outside Norway we are curious to see how we can leverage our technologies and competence to help other
0: markets succeed as well great insights there from Avend and just if I pick up a little of where he's concluding there with his future outlook uh, a number of points that I think really resonate with us and the approach that we have at NAB um, certainly the point he makes there about inclusion and I think it's really important that as we embark on digital identity, we're not just digitalising the analogue identities that we've always had, but we're thinking about how we can improve the journey for the people that have not been well served by some of the traditional identity solutions. And That's important, I think, in particular for Australia's Indigenous community, uh, but probably also for some of the the vulnerable members elsewhere in our community, including some of the victims of human trafficking, for instance. His point about social media, one of my great mentors in this space, Roy Boothby, the head of global identity at Santander, um, this is a point he's really been been very hot on. How can we help people to understand who they're dealing with through social media channels? And, of course, Avon also picks up the point about how we help to combat fraud and scams, um, which is a very key part of our agenda here at NAP. So some great insights, and now I want to loop in my colleague, Lyndon Dawson, of our Customer Digital Identity team. Lyndon, you're leading a lot of the work we're doing around our participation in the Connect ID scheme, and I'm sure a lot of what we've heard from Avon um, really ties in with the passions that you share what really stood out or resonated for you most amongst his remarks
2: throughout the whole conversation i've noted there are a couple of lessons from this discussion but the f- the primary one that stood out to me was around courage so arvin referred to the bold decision making required to reduce you know fragmented siloed login systems uh, to build a common infrastructure you know, around digital identity, and I believe this is exactly what we need in this country. Another observation I had was this incredible diversity of the use cases um, that are facilitated by Bank ID. So, you know, we know that the Bank ID service really took off in terms of adoption when consumers could use it to unlock government use cases or government services. You know, and this is something we're working closely with Australian Payments Plus and their Connect ID team as they engage directly with uh, Australian state and federal governments um, and government agencies as potential relying parties in this service. Um, You know, one use case that I'm especially passionate about here um, in Australia is the management of, of sensitive and personal information in the real estate industry, actually. In a tight rental market, um, which is what we have right now, um, the renter is effectively barefoot in that transaction, in that relationship, and they're dealings with real estate agents and you know the landlords that they're acting on behalf of. Um, This data is kind of demanded, um, and, and if you don't have, if you're not prepared to hand all that data over, and and that includes copies of your driver's license, your passport, even bank statements, if you don't hand that over, then you may find yourself you know, without a roof over your head.
0: And I guess if you're not comfortable, that that real estate agent might be keeping the scan of your bank statements or your passport on an unsecure server mm-hmm. or, or paper copies in the trash can at the back of their office. <laughs> yep. There's not a lot you can do about that. You, you don't really have, uh, as you say, you, you're kind of cut between, stuck between that and... Um,
2: finding I mean, somewhere to live. Yeah. 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 And, and so that's why I'm really excited about the prospect of this uh, Connect ID service, uh, being able to help address that, that specific use case uh, in this market.
0: It is about empowering people. And at the same time, you know, one theme that came through with, with Avon was there was about trust. And I guess the opportunity yeah. that, that we see as a bank is how we can help to use and leverage the trust that we hold for the way in which we store and protect people's data the same way that we do for their money. Um, Did you want to pick up a little bit further on the the trust theme and how we see that feeding into the developments that we're pursuing in Australia?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, the importance of um, governance and and standards across all participants in the network um, to maintain trust in the system was something that Arvind really, um, really brought up for me. Um, And it's so true. Um, You know, this includes making sure that every bank, so not – not just National Australia Bank um, but every bank that's participating as an identity service provider meets the same you know stringent security standards in terms of data management. but also if you think about it further upstream, the robust identity proofing that's required or should be required at the point of onboarding uh, because you know without that the whole thing falls over really uh, and trust in the system will collapse. Fortunately though, um, all, all of our participants in the Connect ID system um, or initiative must be registered with the Australian Payments Plus um, group and and certified to agreed industry standards. So this gives us a level of comfort that all participants will measure up to those standards. In addition, some of the major banks, including uh, National Australia Bank, have recently applied for the Trusted Digital Identity Framework accreditation, uh, which is an additional level of recognition by the federal government's Digital Transformation Agency, Um, and this will, we expect, give government agencies uh, more confidence in the Connect ID service and and will act as a, I guess, a proxy uh, trust mark of sorts.
0: Trust is a great asset to have in the system, but as you've described there, there's a lot we need to do to ensure that we are preserving that trust, uh, and it continues to be the great foundation. So thank you, Lyndon, and thank you to our special guest, Bank ID CEO, Avon Wesby bracker um, A lot of great insights that he shared, but also there's a lot more to come in the digital identity space, and here at NAB, we are launching a design sprint as part of our agenda in Helping to shape what the future Australian ecosystem should look like. Um, we'll have a lot more happening on that in August. And here on NAB Digital Next, uh, we're going to look actually into the space of quantum computing in the near term, but we're also going to pick up this identity topic further. We'll do that with Jason Davis of Hold Access. And there's a lot more we can learn from the great work that Jason's doing at his firm in uh, identity solutions for Australia's Indigenous communities. So thanks for joining us, and please stay tuned for more on NAB Digital Next.